good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are today. I'm Ali Amagasu, and you're listening to the latest episode of Cloud Unfiltered. Where I am today is still at Cisco Live. I'm still with my co-host, Pete Johnson. Hey, Pete. Hey, Ali. I'm starting to get used to sitting next to you. I kind of like this. I know. I'm going to miss it when you're back in Michigan and I'm back in uh, the L.A. area. I know. But uh, we are not alone as we sit in the podcast domain. Today we're joined by... uh, Two very interesting gentlemen. One, Sebastian Morissette from Intact. Welcome, Sebastian. Hi, Ali. And Nicholas Ponton, who's actually from Cisco as well. We will explain the relationship momentarily, but welcome, Nicholas. Thank you, Ali. Thank you guys for joining us today. I know you've been doing the rounds, Sebastian. We've been putting you through the hoops, making many appearances here at Cisco. So um, why don't you start off by letting folks know what Intact Financial Corporation does? Well, uh, Intact is the lead uh, PNC insured in Canada. And as of last year, year and a half, we also purchased one beacon insurance in uh, the United States. So we're slowly growing towards uh, the United States as well. So typically, uh, mostly PNC insurance across Canada and now growing. To and P- what's PNC? It's really uh, personal and car insurance so for like your home and uh, your, your, your automobiles or anything else that you would have. So not like life insurance. Or, you know, with One Beacon, we've started to have also specialty insurance for, like, doctors and, you know, uh, professional associations Got and it. stuff like that. So that's really different, and it's a new portfolio for us. Nice. So, Sebastian, part of the reason we wanted to have you on today is that, um, you know, we're a cloud show. We talk about what's going on in cloud technologies. And what's interesting is you, uh, my understanding is that you launched Intax Data Center 2.0 initiative. Mm-hmm. What is that, and where does cloud come into this data center initiative? Well, you know, typically what we were faced with was trying to figure out how we would actually get intact into the cloud. And when we start looking at it, we were trying to build something and we were struggling a little bit to be able to get all the, you know, the, the stuff done or the work prepared for us to be able to get into the cloud. And we noticed that one of the things that we needed to do was actually to start from scratch. So when we decided to do Data Center 2.0, it was literally to like do a reboot of what we're doing today with the traditional data center. So instead of trying to haul and bring everything that we were currently doing into, you know, a new way of managing IT, we decided we'll start with a clean slate. We're going to build out a new data center offering that's going to bring more agility, more speed into it. So typically, what I like to say is we've tried to give Intact cloud training wheels, Mm. right? So the idea is how to take our staff, how to take our company and give them the possibility of learning on a non-premise private cloud everything they need to learn to be able to survive in the public cloud. Interesting. Now, my first question, I'll, I'll, I'll let you jump in in a second, Pete, but how did, you get, how did Cisco get involved in this initiative for you? Well, the funny thing is that originally when we started talking with Nicholas and the team in Montreal, we actually wanted to start by evergreening a simple DMZ. So we started doing a design to replace a, 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 de- a demilitarized zone before our internet, we came to them with a design and they said, you know what, we'd love to sell you this stuff because it's worth a lot of money, but that's not the right thing to do. So we said, okay, so if you want to help us re-engineer our DMZ, how do we do it? So Nicholas and the team in Montreal, they set us up, they helped us redesign the whole thing. And because I had some stuff I asked and they were saying, you're doing the right questions. You're just not putting the stuff together in the right way. So I wanted to have ACI but I want it to be ACI ready. And he said, it's either NXOS or ACI. You can't have, you can't just flip a switch. It's going to incur downtime if you actually do it that way. 
So typically sitting with them, then we partnered with a Cisco partner out in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, which was... Uh, BTA. BTA, yeah. I know those guys. They know, what they're, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Exactly. So we worked with them, and the team actually helped us go through a lot of the learning curve that typically you would expect of spending a lot of time. So, you know, we were able to do everything I'm going to be talking to you guys today within the past two and a half years. So typically, we were able to shave a lot of time off the learning curve just getting the help from the partners from Cisco. So Cisco really helped us with different access like that. We also had Bay Infotech, which was the previous group from yep. Clicker acquisition that kept going and helping clients. And at the same time, uh, we used a lot of CVDs, right? So Cisco validated designs to make sure that instead of just figuring out the wrong way of doing things, we were able to get stuff done the right way the first time. Yeah, they say if somebody else has already done this homework, no reason for us to yeah, do exactly. it again. Yeah, exactly. And if I may add, uh, Sebastian, one of the things that was key in making this project uh, a success is um, uh, we engaged quite early in the process and the, the project uh, different members of the different BUs or business units that are uh, involved in the product lines that uh, were acquired by Intact. And those guys were really happy to, to jump in and help Intact because Intac and Sebastian and his team have been very, very generous in the feedback they provide to our teams that develop products. We have, you know, very qualified folks uh, in engineering and software development working in the labs, but sometimes they think a product will work in a certain way, but when it, it hits real life, um, it doesn't always work that way. So uh, Sebastian was, and the team were really upfront and uh, very collaborative, collaborative with our uh, different business unit. Uh, so, you know, it was kind of a two-way street and everybody was happy to work together and it, it kind of accelerated the whole project uh, to make it a success. Nice. Very cool. N Nicholas, the thing I, I, I love about the story that Sebastian just told is there's, there's, as the Cisco account manager for them, there's this stereotype that the Cisco account managers are just about feeds and speeds and selling you boxes and then coming back in three years and trying to sell you the next version of the next box. But you didn't take that approach here, right? You you took what he was asking you for and you're like, wait a minute, let's Well, well there's that. Right? right? But then there's so much more. What? Right. So yeah. that's what so that's what I wanted to get to. So so how did you how did you make this turn or, or what was it about this particular engagement that like flip the switch that you know what I need to bring in some reinforcements and it's not just about feeds and speeds it's about delivering a solution that's going to be flexible and meet this specific customer needs so what what was it that led you down that path um, it really really was a team effort from the, the you know the local team we have up in Montreal we have pretty uh, strong architects there and I kind of gave them the floor um, I mean, that whole project was kind of born at Cisco Live three years ago. Okay. Um, you know, they saw ACI, they saw what it could do, and it kind of drove that DMZ project you talked about. And I remember a Friday afternoon in the Cisco office in a pretty large room surrounded with whiteboards. And, you know, the morning started to see, okay, Intact, explain us what you want to do. And then uh, our architect, uh, Rob Zalabinski and, and Simon Belmar, some of the good guys we got up there, says, you know what, guys, if you want to do this for the long run, yeah. um, turn your, you know, erase everything you talked about you talked about this morning and let us speak for a couple of hours. And, you know, here's what we think you should be doing. And fast forward a couple of weeks, we did the same thing another Friday afternoon in a very warm, uh, <laughs> warm um, conference room at Intac. And, and 
there it was, you know, a few pictures of the whiteboards and the project was born and and um, that's how it happened. Nice. I'm no. glad to know we haven't cornered the market on warm conference rooms. Other <laughs> no, exactly. Other we, places yeah, we're generous there. We're generous <laughs> yeah. there too. Typically, I think what really drove the partnership, because I, I please myself to say that it's a partnership, it's not just a customer buying software, is that we've been very open and Cisco's been very open. So, you know, we're exchanging on the ideas and the innovation and, you know, not to flatter ourselves, but the initial plan we put out did suck, right? It wasn't good. And then afterwards, what we worked on was innovative. And I think that's what the BU saw, like the, the confirmation. After a couple of weeks into designing this thing, uh, I think Rolla Dagger, Canadian president for Cisco Canada, actually got appointed. And she came to Montreal and she, was, she came to see us and we were able to exchange on ideas and stuff. She told us that we would have her support. From the Intax perspective, we had exec support and buy-in from the start as well through my senior vice president, Sylvain Bo. So we had all these people pushing for us to make it a success story. And I think that's really important because without the executive buy-in that we've had sure. or the sponsorship, uh, you can't make these types of transformations. Well, and it sounds like there's a powerful moment in the beginning when you guys were willing to say... Maybe we don't have the entire answer. We thought this is how we wanted to do it. And I think it's very hard for a lot of companies to go, okay, we're going to listen to the vendor who obviously has a stake and wants to sell us something, but they also have a lot of expertise. We're going to take a chance and let them tell us how they think we should do it. And I, I think many companies don't aren't willing to take that leap. It's, yeah. it's scary, but you guys are going to benefit long-term because you did oh, For it, sure. Right? And we have a relationship with the people at Cisco up in Montreal where we've known them for years. They've accompanied us in everything we've done. And I don't think Rob, as an example, ever refrained himself from actually telling us when we were straying. So I'm just saying he, he was honest. He's always been honest with us. So the work was always simple. It's like, here are the facts. When you work with facts, you can't necessarily go wrong. Afterwards, you make your own decisions. But I mean, you get all, you know, sure. the real deal. And making such a, an important change at Intac is, is not easy. Right, people are used to do uh, things in a certain way. And we were asking them to kind of forget everything they've been doing for years so sebastian was really good at pulling executive sponsorship right. internally uh to make this, pro this project happen that actually started with a zero dollar budget and pulled budget from left right and center to make it happen but the the point of the executive sponsorship is key to making a transformation like they did sure it is absolutely success. yeah if, if we'd have something to share with anybody who would want to take this on is you need that top down sponsorship don't if you start on yourself there's so change people are scared of change so anything you would do that changes how they work you know we've heard some of my colleagues like Marion Larochelle we're working with people sometimes they come to us and they just tell us I've been doing this for 25 years why are you changing the way I'm doing stuff right and you're like well because we need to adapt we need to change so we have change advocates people that are pushing our staff to try to see things differently and people are onboarding more and more but it I'd be lying to say if the first half or the first year and a half or half of this project wasn't a struggle, like Nicholas was saying, to just get the ball rolling, get stuff doing. But now we've got a good pace. Stuff is working. We got app in production and we're getting more and more adoption. So it, it's awesome. Nice. So what is what does this new environment look like? It sounds like it's not this project isn't finished. Uh, it's ongoing. But what are the what are the key components? What does this look like uh, on a day to day basis? What tools are you using? Well, typically the idea was to shift intact from a disaster recovery to a business continuity model. So that was the like 
primer for me building the design with my team. So in the end, what we've done with other architects at Intact and some of the subject matter experts, we've designed a system that is multi-site. So we're looking at a three-site approach. My idea was I wanted to have resiliency. But if you look at resiliency from a two-site approach, you have to spend 200% of your compute capacity to be able to make sure that if you lose a site, you typically have the other one still up and running. My thought with that was, you know what? Let's do three sites. That way I can invest 150% of my compute as a minimum by having at least 50% of my capacity at each site. And then in the long run, my investment is 150% of my total capacity required. So it was also a way to reduce cost and gain a lot more redundancy and resiliency because I can take a site out of the picture, do patches, upgrades and work, and then afterwards being able to put it back in. Yeah, you still have your main site, you still have a backup even if you take one off. Exactly. So we're always so you know we worked on these design patterns and tried to figure out the best way which it was for us to undertake that DR to BCP. And in the end, throwing in all Cisco technologies. So, you know, typically we've built it using the ACI fabric as like the common framework in the back for the software defined networking. We've looked into different, uh, so, you know, software defined infrastructure or storage with uh, HCI, so hyperconverged infrastructure. And we had existing UCS skill sets and existing, you know, network skill sets with Cisco and an existing relationship. So after doing a little bit of RFEs and RFPs, it was clear for us that leveraging the existing skill set is going to be, you know, easing that change set or that change uh, uh, effect within our company. So basically put, we have built a private cloud on three sites using Cisco Hyperflex, Cisco ACI, Cisco Multisite, using the ASA technologies for firewalls for some egress traffic. And we've added uh, on top of that a lot of CVDs and you know Cisco partnerships and stuff to help us speed up our delivery. So all in all, the last portion is why we're here today is we're using Cloud Center to make it all stick together. So we've got this single pane of glass that's enabling us to be able to control that infrastructure on the multiple sites and do deployments. So typically put that all together you get a great recipe for success because for us, we've got some new mobile apps in production right now. We've got AI teams starting to build on the Cisco container platform. So we see all of these new features that the different Cisco teams are putting out. We're able to integrate into this stack. So typically it's, it's like feature driven. And since the teams we've been working with are so customer driven, like anything we need, we typically able to provide feedback like Nicholas was saying and we typically get releases done in the future where our features are in there and allow us to go further. So it's really interesting. Yeah, I think customers wildly underestimate how much we want that feedback and how yeah. much it does drive what we're willing to add as far as features. Every product that I'm working on or that, I, that I'm usually marketing, I, I, I'm in touch with the engineers all the time and they'll say, well, because 60% of our customers are doing fill in the blank, AI, ML, whatever they're doing, with this product, we're adding this, 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 and this. It's not because it's on our roadmap or was on our roadmap. Yeah. It's because the customer said this is what we want. So good on you guys for that. Now, I heard you say you're using Cloud Center. Uh, you're not on Cloud Center Suite yet, is my guess, because that 5.1 has, or 5.1 has. Exactly. Released. So typically, uh, we were actually, you know, just to touch on the partnership and yeah. how, and, and a little emphasize on what you just said, Ali, is we were actually invited to the Cloud Center Suite 5.0 beta back in November. So we're not a partner. When I went to the meeting with my colleagues, uh, there was 
partners. There was people from, you know, uh, partners from the UK, everybody around, and Cisco advanced services people that were there. And there in the middle of the room, they, there was like three guys that were just customers. But we were so much engaged in, you know, building the backlog, making sure that everything featured and everything we were using. And I think one of the things that was noticed is we're using Cloud Center a little differently than how people typically use it for. And I think this is one of the messages that's important is you can use it for your on-prem private cloud. It doesn't need to be a tool you use only for going onto the public cloud. It handles VMware very well. They added other local hypervisors and stuff. So typically you can use it for your on-prem as well. So like I said earlier, training wheels, we built it locally and now we're expanding to public. So it's not just a public first thing. We were able to use it differently. So you started private, and now that you have that single pane of glass, it's a lower learning curve for you to have to go. Exactly. And it's been very transformational because since we're doing that, we're able to get teams to actually, the software engineering teams, to build a DevOps arm to their organization. And so typically what they're doing is they're managing with Cloud Center, deploying their VMs, building their containers or whatever, and in the end, they're typically doing ops. So from an infrastructure team perspective, we are almost behaving really like a cloud provider. We manage the infrastructure up to the hypervisor level, and then afterwards they manage the rest of what they're deploying. So it brings on all these chargebacks and you know showback possibilities and budgeting changes that we can do just by using the product. So yes, we're not on Cloud Center Suite, but we're looking forward to the 5.1 release because we need to have cost optimizer right? We want to have all these new features that are in there. We want to have the action orchestrator to be able to go and start doing more comprehensive scripts or actions when we're actually doing our deployments of our VMs or containers. So the new features, we've tested them back in November. Uh, we've been very, very patient until now to hopefully get the upgrade version. Yeah. But you know, when they got out the 5.0 version, it was pretty clear from the BU that the value add was there. The features needed to be out, but the upgrade from a previous version, since it shows a significant change in the way that Cloud Center is being supported and deployed, I mean, it made perfect sense. And being so close to the team, we understand why it's that way. So in the meantime, we're just working on other value additions, right? So if I can fill in just a little bit of color there for listeners that might not know. So Cloud Center Suite came out in February. The five, Cloud Center 5.0 or Cloud Center Suite are kind of interchangeable terms. And in addition to the classic Cloud Center functionality, which is now known as Workload Manager, there are two additional pieces of, of, uh, of content. One of them is Cost Optimizer, which does what the name says it does and was a result of the compute IO acquisition that uh, Cisco made about a year ago. And then there's the workflow manager, or I'm sorry, action orchestrator. I always get the two terms confused. Action orchestrator, which is the former Cisco process orchestrator product, all baked into this now one big cloud center suite. And the good news is, is that you've got all this cool new functionality and there's a new pricing model. The bad news is for our friends like, uh, like yourself, is that you had to wait till five one in order to do upgrade because we weren't doing we weren't doing direct upgrades from a four X installation to five O. We wanted to get a little bit of runway there, and it's five one, which I think is is due out here. It's either into summer or the fall, and you're going to be able to yeah, and Q three or maybe Q three is what you're looking at. Yeah, nice. But, but like I said, it's it's normal. But one thing that's interesting for the the people listening is 
the change that Cisco did to actually go from a hardware company to a software company, right? right? So typically what we're seeing, we're also working with uh, the cloud team's uh, CCP offering for the container platform. Sure. And, and one of the things that's interesting is to see how their releases are built. They're really working in an agile mode. They're doing quick releases and they're doing, you know, new versions. I think we went within the last six months from version 2.x something to almost version 4 that's coming out soon yeah. in that platform. So I'm just saying that typically there's quick release. They're very customer driven. I have the chance to have meetings with the product managers of Cloud Center and of CCP and they want our feedback and they're providing us with features we need. So it's very interesting to see how quickly paced the releases are. So like I said earlier, we're doing one week sprints wow. in our own team. So typically every week we decide what work we're going to be doing for the next four days and then afterwards we, we apply that. We find if we do longer sprints, people tend to stray and sometimes say, I have time, I'll do it later right. and stuff. So now it's really quick. You take the workloads you need to do for the next four days and it's a cycle that we repeat like that. So typically that's what we found worked for us. I think that's smart. Yeah. So that's where that's where the rapid releases of the CCP platform actually work in your favor, right? There, yeah. there are some that would come from a classic IT environment that would say, you know, if you're giving me even monthly releases of something like CCP, I don't want to have to inject change to my ecosystem fast enough. But if that's your attitude, you're probably doing that wrong, right? Like your your iteration speed should be in excess of what ours is, and it sounds like you were able to sort of turn the well. One of the things the that on yeah, that. one of the things we've done was really try to take the fight to technological debt, right? We wanted to avoid that in the whole environment. So typically. I was at a talk this morning here at Cisco Live with the data center team. And when I said that we would typically be within one or two weeks of an ACI release onto yeah. production with the version, everybody looked at me like I was weird. Like right? you had three heads, right? So, yeah. So typically the thing is we've built a new infrastructure that is constantly being updated. In the end, if your app comes in and breaks because of our release lifecycle, you need to modify your app so that it complies with the actual infrastructure. So it's this morning I had a comment person was telling me, yeah, that I'd love to be in a company where, you know, ops can bully software engineering. And I said, we're not bullying anybody. We've built an alternative area. Right. Our traditional is still there. We've just built an alternative area where you can actually build and deploy cloud native apps in a fashion that's business continuity, continuous availability. And if your app breaks when it's in there because we're taking stuff out, then you need to put in fault tolerance and make sure your app survives in that ecosystem. So, Now, when you start talking about this kind of stuff and you've made it a reality, some of that executive sponsorship that Nicholas talked about, that both of you talked about earlier, that then becomes obvious in hindsight. But I'm interested in what, what did it take when you were trying to convince them to make this leap, given that you have some of the old stacks still around? What, what were some of the key... What were some, some of the key facts or some of the key differentiators that you had to throw at your executive team to convince them to let you try this? Well, the first thing that helped a lot is maybe not everybody knows this, but Cisco has some try and buy options that you can actually work with. So like Nicholas said earlier, we had like a zero budget. This was a try and buy. So it was new technology for us. So Nicholas was able to set us up a system where we were able to get much of the new technology we were going to be doing a POC on right, or a proof of value on, uh, 
so that we can work with it. So I think we got, I don't remember, was it three months or six? I don't i don't remember, whatever, okay, a period of so time. So you got him some loaner gear, Nicholas? No, I was actually trying by, so the equipment that was part of part of the, 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 the try is still there and right. running, so. Um, well, and we, and we learned those lessons. I mean, one of the cool things about the new pricing model for Cloud Center Suite is you get a 90-day free license, so it's it's definitely along those same lines. Another, another point that's really important and to answer your question and making this um, kind of self-subsidized project because as we said it was a zero dollar budget Sebastian briefly talked about it earlier about all the, the showback chargeback feature of Cloud Center that are right. out of the box and available today this was key in 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 making the 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 way the internal customers of Intact using the solution uh, much more faster in the traditional model, if an internal customers of Intact needed uh, a number of VMs to run a project, it would take some time in the traditional way to get it. Days, weeks, months, you know, we, we hear all the different uh, stories from yeah. customers. But and, and the ongoing cost would stay there for a specific or a significant amount of time, whereas with Cloud Center, you get a monthly bill or an invoice typically telling you how much you've consumed. So to answer more specifically your question is, the idea is not necessarily to sell the technology to your executives. It's right. to actually the benefits, tell them right. the actual benefits or the business angles to the actual technology. So it's something that we're, we're able to look into and we're going to probably be looking into the next couple of months since now we're in production. We've got people on it is how do you change how you fund your projects? How do you change how people use the project money now that they can actually spin them up in 15 minutes for 20 VMs and shut it down once their UAT testing is done? because they don't need it to be up all the time. Whereas in the traditional environment, typically longer lead times to get your infrastructure led to people not wanting to get rid of their environments and they would keep them for very long running periods of times. And since you're not always automating the deployment, then you need to do patch management and you need to update those environments so that you don't start adding to your technology debt. So typically, I'd say if you want to convince your execs of doing the right thing, obviously you have to have a little bit of uh, credibility in the technological area, right? So sure. You can't just come here and say, hey, I'll do a cloud. Yeah, right. So typically, I'd say the best thing is don't swarm them with technical stuff. Explain to them the actual business outcome that will typically be driven from your choice of technologies. So if you have that skill set in your company or in your organization, take that person who has it and bring him to do the talking. Because typically, if you're going to be talking about EPGs and bridge domains right. and how cloud center is going to be well cool, be Latin, right? exactly, it's not necessarily going to jive. What you need to have is someone who's going to be able to come to them and tell them, this is what you have today, and this is the target where we're trying to go, and here are the benefits from a business or an operational perspective. And did it get down to here? What Was that like a... Here's the number of software releases we'll be able to get out of this pipeline versus what we had today. Was it that kind of stuff? or not, was Not even, because the weird thing about our transition is it's all been driven by ops. So, mm. you know, it, I don't know if it makes us weird, but in a way we were telling people, you know what? We want you to be DevOps. We want to concede some of our responsibilities to you guys so that you guys can fly faster, run faster or further. So the idea is we built this so that they would actually be able to consume infrastructure services in a new way not seeing it as being a problem in their deployment so we didn't even hint to how 
software engineering would use or be able to be faster. We just told them we're going to give you control on when and how you consume infrastructure. And everybody loves that. Give me a little control. Right? Yeah, exactly. And then we did last year, we did town halls. So we went into all of our IT departments and I was presenting the project to the rest of IT, right? And genuinely people actually really want to be able to control what they deploy and everything. They want to be able to have the control. So the idea is how do we go from silos where the control is done because no one can actually get the whole job done without stirring up enough noise so that someone somewhere hears about it and can be either happy or not happy about it happening. Right. And now you're giving everybody the full control in their environment because you've actually built a software defined data center and you're telling them you have your own little tenant. You do whatever you want in there and whatever you spend is going to be billed back to your boss. So the governance changes. Yeah. If your boss has 3K a month for you to work on and you're spending 20, he's going to tell you the governance is money in this case. You're going to say, you don't have that money. You can't spend that. So typically the cost optimizer, cloud center, the way we're able to allow people to consume infrastructure changes. And in the end, we're getting the results we want and the teams are getting what they need. Now, not every software engineering team is at the same maturity level where they're ready to do DevOps. And you have to be okay with that. My team and I were saying to the teams is, Data Center 2.0 is not an obligation, it's an option. If you're gonna be building nice. new apps and you want to go on to it, we're offering it now. If you're not ready, our traditional team, which is still the same staff in the back doing the ops, right, is still there and he's still giving you a great experience and you still have DR and everything's gonna be there. So it's not a trade-off. You're, you're like offering a new way of operating. That's the only thing you're doing. Interesting. I think that's a smart way. I think that's a smart way of doing it. Here's a, a chocolate cake under a piece of glass. If you would like a piece of that cake, come on up and get a knife. But uh, we're not going to make you eat it. Exactly. I, I got one more question for you, and it's so you started this road with Cisco saying, "Hey, I've got a DMZ. Can you check my math?" And what you got instead was some cloud training wheels. So, like at the beginning of this process, did you think that it was going to be Cisco that was giving you these cloud training wheels, as opposed to having to figure it out yourself or finding some other third party? Were you were you surprised that we were able to help you through that? To be honest, I was more surprised how it turned out because, like you know, we had a very small scope at the beginning of what we wanted to do, but then plugging in the technologies that we had seen at Cisco Live about three years ago or two and a half years ago and saying, well, this is typically what we'd want to have in the future. You know, I was just trying to future-proof this thing by saying, make sure I have 10 gig port connectivity in the DMZ and I want to have switches that can be used in an ACI context in case once we learn a little bit more, right. we'd want to tip our toes or whatever. So typically, I'm surprised of how it turned out because we really shifted it completely towards yeah, something Yeah, because you started else. with a DMZ and you ended up with HyperFlex and Cloud yeah. Center, right? And the so funny it, thing is that right now I'm working with some of my colleagues in the security team and stuff to actually start porting stuff from the existing old DMZ that's still there into the Data Center 2.0 offering because we want it to become our single point of entry because it's three sites. We've got, you know, global load balancing in place to make sure that, you know, our ingress is always resilient. And so we're working on now bringing the stuff from the DMZ actually back into Data Center 2.0. So it's like we're kind of closing the gap between the original idea and how it actually just spin out of control for two cool. and a half years yeah. to now closing that gap on the DMZ. But typically, it's really requirements driven. What we've noticed is we weren't asking the right question and we weren't answering the right the right question as well. So typically we knew we needed a change, but we were badly 
you know, speaking it out. And that's where the value of the Cisco help came in. They just told us, guys, and this is really like unfiltered and unscripted, but Nicholas really told you something like, you know what? It's X hundreds of thousands of dollars, whatever that you're asking us to do for this particular, you know, story. So I can sell it to you. You know, you, you made a joke about, you know, the account manager saying their they're just value there is just to add and sell money. He could have just sold me all that yeah. equipment and say, Nicholas is like right. the hero of this movie that we're painting here. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. And I and I'm not joking about that at all. It's. It, you you went above and beyond the feeds and speeds and I'll give you a 10 gig to like, okay, what's the real problem you're trying to solve here? And you brought in the reinforcements you needed and and I would imagine that that ended up, be, ended up being a much bigger sale than what he originally asked for. Yeah, and it's just a question, a matter of asking the questions. Yeah. Why do you want to do this, right? And, asking and, why. It's as simple as asking why, few, why exactly. right? Exactly. You, you ask it a few times and you get to the bottom of it and then this is when the creative ideas comes out yeah and uh you know it, it, it was a teamwork obviously all the creative ideas i just asked a question i didn't have, I didn't have the ideas it's well and it sounds like people you're, around you're me much did. happier with the answer that you received than the one you were expecting i guess uh, is ultimately for, my point there's a reason why i'm doing this podcast is that eventually someone felt that what we were doing was innovative right. and decided you know what let's invite sebastian and that team to cisco live and do all the sessions and work that you you stated earlier. So typically, our our being here is the result of great partnership with Cisco in Montreal and all of the BUs. So, and BTA and yeah, exactly. So typically, in the end, if I'd have one takeaway to tell people is you're, it, and this is what I had told to my team is, you don't need to learn everything yourself. It's okay to not know a technology. It's how you decide to actually onboard it that's important. So. Originally, Intact would have taken the technology, played with it for months, and eventually figure out a way to use it. I, I didn't have that time. I wanted, you know, we had a proof of concept to do on a try and buy. I was on a clock. Yeah. So typically, go get the help you need to get it quickly onboarded and use CVDs. Use the work that's already been pre-done by hours and hours of work being done by Cisco to actually prove these technologies. Right. So, I mean... Cisco here is the center of the whole thing for us because we've built around that. But the CVDs bring third-party partners that aren't Cisco into that ecosystem, but in a way that typically is like problem-free. Yeah. You've got the validated design. So it's not something that, you know, someone listening to this podcast could say, yeah, okay, he just bought Cisco. No, I'm not at, I'm not free to say who are the other third parties in this podcast, but look at the CVDs. There are a lot of different partners on or off of the Cisco global price list that are there that have CVDs and that have validated designs so that people consuming both sides of those partnerships are getting value. So Nice. What I like is that I don't think most companies, most people listening, if you're not from a Web 2.0 company, you don't think, well, we're going to be innovative. It's going to be, I don't think anybody would look at an insurance company and go, that's where I'm going to see an awesome digital transformation. <laughs> it's just not where you look yeah. first, you yeah. know? And so kudos to your executive team that you roped into this. I'm sure they're surprised as anybody. Look at us. We're on the cutting edge now. <laughs> so I, I hope that folks out there understand that you can be in any industry and you can make that, that leap. You can, you can do that di digital transformation. You can get it completed even if you're not Web 2.0. So I'm all done with my questions for the yeah, day. Yeah, this is a very cool story. Thank you so much for sharing it. Both, both sides of this story were just super fascinating for me. So thanks for the time. Well, thank you. And uh, just a last word. Yeah. Sebastian's been talking a lot about the training wheels we've put together. 
I'm really proud to say that they're about to take them off in a few days and go full out in public clouds with with the uh, with the solution. So no more training wheels. We're we're on the racing track now. That's exciting, and that's when that cost. Man, you guys really are going to want that cost optimizer, right? It can recommend instance sizes and. Uh... No, exactly. So we're, we're 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 all in with our solution. We want it to work. Yeah. But again, we're not compromising our revenue. Yeah. It's it's like it's a new option. Yeah. People can use it to go to production nice. without compromising anything. So a takeaway for anybody listening to this podcast that would want to do something like this is don't try to transform what you're actually doing and your revenue that you're currently guaranteeing. Yeah. Try to build something on the side to do a second offer. And then people can choose to go into wherever they want to go. And at least that's how we made it work. That is a solid tip. Yeah. Awesome. All right, gentlemen. Well, we hope you enjoy the rest of Cisco Live. And uh, we'll probably uh, ask to check back in with you maybe six months or a year from now and see how things have have progressed. All right. Love it. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers.